from producer J.J. Abrams. What happens to those people? They have been given a purpose. Critics are calling Overlord one hell of an entertaining ride. And now it's 93% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Overlord. Rated R. In theaters and IMAX November 9th. Directed by Julia Savory. Hey, podcast listeners. This is your humble host, Michael Smalley. And I just wanted to take a moment of your time before the show gets going to remind you about our online membership. It is an incredible resource to help you build a better relationship where we have taken all of our best video series and converted them into online courses. You can check out how to become a member at smalleyinstitute.com. So one of you are amazing listeners. Submitted a question, yeah, we just couldn't ignore it because there was a lot of misunderstanding about forgiveness, repentance, Christians, and the church. This got us thinking that actually there might be many of you listening to this show who might struggle with understanding forgiveness and how it relates to someone in particular, to someone who keeps on putting that knife in your side day after day, after day. Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. This is your host, Michael Smalley, along with the co-host of co-hosts. Seth Johnson. Now, why were you giving me a bad, funny, silly look when I finished that intro? Uh, It was the day after day (laughs) after day. It reminded me of... After day. Uh, what was that Ben Stiller movie where he was like praying in his oh. He's like day by day by day by day? That's a pretty good reference. <laughs> anyway, so I'll give it to you. That's what came to mind. Yeah, I was that's, comparing you to Ben Stiller. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, he's I mean, pretty he's, funny. He's a funny guy. He's a good guy. Seems like he's kind. I I don't know. I don't know him personally. But in his movies, he is. Yeah. he's kind of a fun-loving, adorable character. Most of the time. Most of the time. So, yes, this question came over the wire. Mm-hmm. So, and by wire, we mean electronic mail. Yes, we do. So for those of you who might be struggling with something of your own, don't forget, Seth, can yeah. I submit questions to the show? Oh, we can submit questions, all right. Uh, we can just go to smalleyinstitute.com, and you can... Uh, mouse over there to uh, ask a question and shoots right to Michael and I and we will uh, we read them all and see if it's something that we are able to uh, address on air so hopefully uh, you know if you shoot us a question it's something that we can help you out with and get it taken care of at least give you some helpful advice on what to do absolutely so this one this question came in and it stood out to me because there seemed to be some Intense feelings. Okay. Did it, when you read it, did it sort of feel like that to you, or am I? No, yeah, it definitely felt like there was some some passionate embers. Yeah, burning. definitely some passionate embers. And but when you read it, or at least when I read it, I thought, whoa, they're kind of misguided, and their their thinking is misaligned to what the truth is. Okay. Which is why I thought maybe we should take this one and hopefully just by 
helping this individual understand, many of you will understand some of the core things around forgiveness and repentance and mm-hmm. other Christians and the church. Yeah. So, so what was the question that uh, we had? Well, I think I will read it in its entirety. Wow, that I don't that always maybe do that. at first. Sometimes I do, but this one I think just because I want the audience to understand. So here we go. They did not leave any information. So this is the person. Why do churches preach forgiveness, but nobody discusses verbal abuse? And most Christians make other Christians being verbally abused feel like they are in unforgiveness when the reality is the abuser never repents for his ways and never owns his behavior and just continues to be abusive while the spouse is made to believe that they should just turn the other cheek, forgive 70 times 7. Even God demands repentance, a change of ways. So why do Christians think it can come another way and that healing can even occur when no change has occurred? If someone has a knife in my side every single day, it would be impossible to heal. So why do we expect spouses to heal in the midst of being wounded daily? Sounds like there's a a good amount of uh, hurt. There is. And I I think I kind of want to address first that, yes, I would agree. I think that many Christians and churches do grossly misunderstand, in particular, emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. So, I I actually agree with the with with the person who submitted this question. You know, immer- emotional abuse is one of those tricky things that I think is easily dismissed. Real quick, is there is verbal and emotional abuse interchangeable? Because she was saying verbal, and now you said emotional. right. Yeah, it's interchangeable because the verbal abuse is causing emotional damage. Is emotional damage? Okay. Yeah, emotional scars and emotional bruising. And research is pretty clear that emotional abuse is actually, in terms of the psyche, in terms of your well-being, mm-hmm. uh, even worse than physical, physical abuse. So emotional abuse is a serious thing, and it's a serious offense. But the problem is we're dealing with words, we're dealing with facts, we're dealing with emotion. And that mm-hmm. is a gray, messy sort of area, and that's why I think many times Christians may not be as supportive as they need to, mm-hmm. right? You don't, I once told someone, uh, if this woman came to your door and she was bloodied, you know, disfigured with the bruising and the swelling, would you just tell her to go back home right, no. and suck it up? <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. But the problem with emotional abuse or verbal abuse is that's what's happening internally. You just don't see oh, the scars. The injuries and the swelling and the bleeding is is equally nasty, mm-hmm. but we don't really get see it. Right. And therefore we go, oh, now come on, it's yeah. not that bad. It's harder to display to third parties the like concrete evidence of like, hey, th- this has happened, look at this. Well, because usually you might say they're doing or saying these things, and then yeah, I guess if someone's healthy, they should probably approach the spouse and then they ask them and they're going, no, that's mm-hmm. not what's happening. I never said that. I never, no way. They're over-exaggerating. They're lying. Right. I mean, it gets pretty, pretty miserable. So what should 
uh, like how do we address it as a third party if someone comes to us and says that? Well, it, here's what I do, at least in my training or professional, obviously my professional life, I get to do this. I don't get to do this, but I run into this more than maybe the average person. Right. And the first thing I tell people, especially when there's emotional abuse, I do have an idea of how to assess that, right? Because of my education, because mm-hmm. of my background, right? I think I have a pretty healthy understanding of what's really mean, mm-hmm. what's mean and inappropriate and hurtful, and then what's emotionally abusive. Because there is a difference. There is. And just because your spouse is being mean and being hurtful and saying mean things, well, that just might mean that they're hurting and they're angry and they're not dealing with their anger appropriately, but it's just regular dysfunction. Right. Right. For emotional abuse, for me, I will tend to say, well, help me understand what things is your spouse saying to you specifically. Yeah. Because I'll tell you, the majority of people, especially the couples who come to the Reignite Marriage Intensive Program, Mm -hmm. they will accuse the other of emotional abuse. But then when I ask for, well, help me understand, not like, oh, yeah, I I bet that's happened and prove it. No, obviously, I don't take that attitude. Right. All I do, though, is I need examples. I mm-hmm. need understanding. Go, okay, well, let me hear what kinds of things are going on. I will tell you the, m- the majority of time, it's not emotional abuse. Really? No, it's just regular conflict. Yeah. Now, they feel miserable. Right. Because they get stuck, and you and I have done shows on the conflict dance. Mm-hmm. So they get stuck in that miserable cycle of conflict that goes unresolved, and it ends up being very frustrating and hurtful. It's not emotionally abusive. Right. And so emotional abuse for me... The, the essence, it, it has to be a constant character assassination. Yeah, it's a good word. So not just, you know, Seth. I mean, obviously, if I'm sitting here and I go, Seth, you're such a jerk. Well, that wasn't a healthy thing. That, that didn't feel nice. Mike. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not abusive. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm, am I hurting your character or am I speaking bad of you? Obviously. Are we going to have a probably a very good relationship if that's how I treat you? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't abusive. Yeah. But if I come after you in a deep, intense, personal way that attacks the very essence of who you are, like, uh, and I don't even want to almost give an example. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give anybody ammunition, <laughs> right? anyone unhealthy listening. But it's, it's, it's where it is cruel. Yeah. It, and it, emotional abuse they sort of the abuser knows that underbelly they know that thing that you're really insecure about weak spots yeah and they will just uh, attack and rip it apart so the term that you used uh character assassination like for me that paints a really good picture on helping define this because so i i think of uh in my head like what an assassin is and this person that uh is very precise and they look for the underbelly. They look for the weak points um, to make these kill shots. And so I guess that's the filter yeah. I would use. Like, okay, is that was that like, quote-unquote, kill shot, um, or is it just a, a general slap in the face? So I think that's, that's, that's a great you know, character assassination. I think it's fantastic. And it's not okay. And right. so verbal or emotional abuse is unacceptable, just like physical abuse is unacceptable. But what I want to where I want to caution listeners. 
I highly doubt you're the one to evaluate whether or not you're experiencing that verbal or emotional abuse. Right. It's okay if you feel like it is. That's fine. I'm not going to get upset with you, and any professional worth their weight is not going to get upset with you. But I'm going to encourage the listener not to make that judgment on your own. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like you're in that kind of relationship, you've got to see a professional. You've got to see a counselor. And, you know, I'm a pastor too, so I have training and education and pastoral things and in clinical psych things. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, most pastors are not equipped to determine this. Really? Yeah. So I, I, I would even go that far as to say, this isn't a question you go to your pastor with or that you go to your mentor with or someone who's not a professional. Yeah. That has the specific training that they need. Exactly. Because they're going to mess that up. They're going to miss it. They're going to hear certain things. And they're going to think, oh, yeah, that's that's totally, and it's really not. Hmm. So, again, I would encourage you to seek the advice and the help and and the perspective of a professional because they're the ones, you know, we had to do a lot of classes and a lot of practicum. And so that those hours matter. You know, that education right. matters in determining this. So what I don't want you to do is just determine on your own, you know, go to Wikipedia or WebMD right. saying emotional abuse. Exactly. And then you look at them and they think, oh, yeah, that's see, me. that's me. All this stuff. No, there's so much nuance. Just like I, I'm not a builder, right? I'm not a craftsman, a handyman. No, you're not. No. <laughs> well, you didn't have to agree so uh, intensely. <laughs> but you're right. I'm kind of the exact opposite. I can go online and see an article on how to plumb, plumb line. I don't even know if I'm using this in the right area, but you know, like if you're building a wall, mm -hmm. it needs to be straight, yeah, but it needs to be straight on all sorts of levels, right? Right. Forwards and backwards and <laughs> in, in technical term here. <laughs> all I know, there's a plumb line, right? Yes. And isn't that what you do? See, this is what's funny. So I could watch a YouTube video. I could read about it, but are you really going to trust that? I fully understand the intricacies right. of making sure that wall is ready to go. <laughs> no. No. So just people. You're not a psychologist. <laughs> you're not a licensed therapist. So easy. Easy on the diagnosing because there are nuances. Just reading something about narcissism doesn't make your spouse a narcissist. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I get all the time, oh, you know, at the beginning of an intensive Oh, he's a narcissist. Ooh, she's bipolar. That's a favorite. <laughs> They're manic depressive. They, you know, it's, oh my gosh. It's like, well, hold on. Right. Let me just make that evaluation. <laughs> and it almost never adds up like they think it does. So moving on, does that, did I answer that though? Yes. Okay. Yes. So moving on, what, what I want everyone to understand is that is that forgiveness has nothing to do with the person hurting you. So at the beginning of her question, why do the churches preach forgiveness, but nobody discusses verbal abuse? You know, you and I kind of, I made an offhanded comment, which I won't repeat again, but it's almost like she's taking two totally separate issues. Right. She's like, why does the church preach forgiveness, but then doesn't deal with, ver it's like, well, wait a minute, what does that have anything to do with? Right. They're completely separate topics. No. And, and remember, forgiveness is, for me, the person who has been wounded, mm -hmm. 
And in order to forgive, I don't need the other person to ever change. Right. Because it's not about, I don't forgive you in order that you now will do the right thing. Yeah. Because I don't have any control over that. It does nothing for me. No. And she kind of talks in this question here. What is the word she uses? She doesn't say reconciliation. What does she say here? I'm trying to look back. Repentance. She kind of uses the word repentance in the sense of, it felt like, in the sense of reconciliation. And I've said it many times before on the show, forgiveness does not mean that there's going to be reconciliation or even repentance from the other person. Right. So I don't need the person who wounded me to ask for forgiveness in order to forgive. Right. So she's she said in the questions that even God demands repentance, a change of ways. So why do Christians think it can come another way? So again, when when God demands re- repentance, um, that's that's for the other person and not for for you. You doing the forgiveness. Because remember, uh, in, in the situation that she's talking about with bringing up God, God's the one doing the forgiving of us, and repentance is for the other person. So once again, when we're doing the forgiving, forgiving is for us, repentance is the other person. So we have control of the forgiveness, um, not them. Yeah, we don't. And by the way, yes, God wants you. I know, you probably everyone heard in the background my computer ringing. <laughs> and Seth is judging me, which, by the way, I forgive you for that. Thank you for forgiving of my just judgment of you. <laughs> just, just great. Now we're going to have to do a whole show just on that ridiculous statement you made. So I ask Seth that you forgive me for forgetting to put my desktop on Do Not Disturb. I forgive you. Now I am also repentant. And I have now put said computer on do not disturb. So I'm hoping that my actions are now going to lead us to reconciliation. Yes. Is that possible? But my forgiveness was not based on your uh, actions. So Ah, either way. But to restore our relationship, I'm probably going to need to do something like put the computer on. Indeed. See? I wonder if God let that happen. And I need consistency in that. Are we going to do this right now? (laughs) Have a meltdown with everybody on air? <laughs> no, we'll let it pass. We'll do it on okay. air. Okay. So, so, um, yeah, we were talking. We were talking about uh, repentance, and that part is um, not what you're in in charge of. That's for the, repentance for the other person, um, and forgiveness is for you. And yes, by the way, God does want you to do the right thing. Oh, so yeah. when you wound people. You certainly should be like what funny. I mean, it is kind of perfect, right? I messed up. Mm -hmm. I didn't put the computer on. Do not disturb. It rings. It disturbs the show. And since we do everything live, pushes your button. I'm not going to go back and fix that. (laughs) Inconsistency. And so that's going to happen. And, and the Lord does want me to make amends and to do things right and to repair damage that I caused. But guess what? People aren't always going to do that. Right. So, yeah, just, by the way, God demands you to forgive. <laughs> right. So It's still my job to forgive at this point. Exactly. So when she kind of talks about that, you know, that God demands repentance, it, it almost feels, though, that she's, she's saying, yeah, God demands that her husband start doing the right thing, which I guess is true. But mm-hmm. just because God, again, just because God commands it, 
doesn't actually mean people are going to do it. Right. And that still, again, doesn't dictate whether she forgives or not. Because it's independent. Mm-hmm. And where where she might be confused and other people is forgiveness is for her. It's mm-hmm. about her releasing the past, her moving forward, her allowing Christ access to her heart. Right. So she only hurts herself. Now, there's another key component of her question where she sort of, it feels like, you know, she says here at the end, if someone has a knife in my side every single day, it would be impossible to heal. So why do we expect spouses to heal in the midst of being wounded daily? Ooh, that's a big one. More hurt. Well, first of all, can we as Christians ever say anything is impossible? No. So for this listener... And for this lady and for all else who need to hear it, it is absolutely 100% not, not impossible. Right. When you say uh, that it's impossible as believers, you're doing a couple of things. One, you are limiting the power of our almighty God. You're saying that he can do all these things. He can speak the universe into existence. But he can't do this. It's impossible. He can't heal my heart over this. Right. And so, and also what happens is, is you are uh, removing hope for yourself. Because you're, then, you're, then you're saying, well, if he can't do it, then there's no hope. What can I look forward to? Why do I even do these other things? Which really increases despair. Exactly. Yeah. And by the way, it's not impossible. Again, I <laughs> if I am dependent on people, places, or things... In order for me to be okay, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. I'm. It's it's not going to work. Just had that conversation in a reignite marriage intensive with a with a person of, hey, I you don't have to have this person do anything in order to be okay, right? So, just careful with your theology when you say things are impossible because the truth is that they're not impossible through Christ. And the truth is that healing can occur even if the person hurting you never changes because the healing is up to you and Christ, right? I mean, it says even in the Old Testament when it's prophesizing about the the coming, you know, Messiah, that he's coming to heal the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. That's one of Jesus's primary jobs he's going to do with you if you give him access to your heart, which means I have to surrender, mm-hmm. which means I have to trust him. Which means I don't want to go in my prayer going, Lord, I know you can't do anything about this, but I'm kind of miserable. That's actually not true. Right. He really can, but we need to be obedient. So, which is, look, the healing occurs, and the reason Jesus is so intense on forgiveness, that's what promotes healing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't forgive, that's what keeps the wound open. Right. And we we both agree it it is harder when this happens continually, like when the knife keeps on going in there. So we're not negating that aspect at all. You're right. It's harder, not impossible. Right. That's, I think, what we're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So what are what are healthy things to do to help? Um, well, if you're, if you're stuck with someone that you feel like, you know, sticking that knife in the side day after day after day, then first understand that health, healthy boundaries are really going to help with your healing. 
So what, what kind of healthy boundaries so, do you mean? Okay, so what I typically do if I'm if I'm meeting with a couple, and let's say I discover there is verbal abuse, yeah, or emotional abuse, I stop everything right there. I'm not going to continue teaching a couple where there's abuse occurring, healthy marriage tips and tricks and strategies when there's abuse. It's totally inappropriate, and in my opinion, it's even more. It's it's also abusive. That would I'd be a part of that abuse. So I said I can't tell you. It's happened enough times that it's discouraging to me. Of because I get what she's saying. I've had too many people come into an intensive where a worship pastor, a senior pastor, a small group leader, a Sunday school teacher, give some very bad advice, mm-hmm. and they do. They they go well. What are you doing wrong? It's like whoa. When there's right. abuse, you don't get to say, yeah, but what are you doing? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. You, that person is a victim, and they need to be protected immediately. Yeah. And so for me, all the little healthy marriage strategies that we teach in one of our intensives, now I'm, I'm stopping because it's not appropriate. And so the, the appropriate thing is to confront the abusive behavior, right? Yeah. And for the victim, for the abuser, you need to get – you need to understand you do have power and you do have control over your life. Now the abuser might be trying to convince you otherwise, which is a pretty normal strategy. And so many times, especially in emotional abuse, they kind of, they're terrified. They don't know Mm -hmm. what to do because they're, they're being told if you try to do anything, I'm going to hurt you, which is by the way, another component of emotional abuse. There tends to be a very strong underlining of threat. A physical threat? Yeah, like if you, you know, I'm going to... Yeah, if you do this, I'm going to do this to you. Yeah, things are going to be bad, so, and it gets scary. So then you uh, so then you recommend these boundaries set up for I, these people. So I typically will start with that separation agreement. Yeah, we've which, talked about it. Yeah, which we've talked about before on the show, but, you know, you don't get to stay in the home and be abusive. Yeah. Period. So if that yeah. is currently happening... That abuser needs to find somewhere else to live mm-hmm. for the time being. But the plan, in essence, is I'll help them come up with a strategy of, okay, usually I start around three months on average. Yeah. Look, let's do this for three months. And then the abuser needs to go through individual therapy, mm-hmm. anger management, and then whatever else is appropriate you know, to, to start trying to reconcile. Right. This feels like another reason why um, you have to have a third party uh, yeah. involved to see that because if I'm self-diagnosing this, um, the, you know, the healthy thing might be f- uh, for these boundaries, separation agreement, but there's probably no way that without a third party also intervening that I could approach my spouse and be like, Hey, we need to have a separation agreement. Yeah. So here's what's happening. Cause most likely <laughs> if yeah. they're being ver- verbally abusive, they're not being healthy enough to say like, you know what? Uh-huh. You're right. And now, typically, when a third party is in the room, they do tend to be able to behave a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's accountability yeah. there. And look, if they refuse, then that's when you have to start getting the authorities involved or whatever. But you know, you start with these healthy boundaries. And so, for this listener who submitted the question, you know, even just with that separation agreement, it, the hurt is probably going to change from every single day to a little less. Uh, consistent because mm-hmm. they're out of the home for now. Right. And hopefully they're getting help. That's what right. I love about it is you don't have to start with divorce. 
you can start with separation. Give your partner, give your spouse a chance to get healed. Because, mm-hmm. look, no one is verbally abusive because they woke up and thought this would be fun. Right. Nobody is. People who are verbally abusive were probably abused themselves. Hmm. And so they're hurting, and they're obviously coping in a very bad way. Yeah. But give them an opportunity. And the good news with a separation agreement is you're safe. Mm-hmm. You're safe while they are trying to get their life back together. Right. Which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so if they can if they can meet these kind of restoration agreements from the separation plan, then, yeah, they kind of earn the right to come back into the fray and then work on the marriage. But it's not until they've dealt with that individual stuff first. Right. Because we will not do that when abuse is curing. Uh, you know, another thing that if, if, if the hurt is kind of a daily occurrence, you, you really do have to work hard at keeping your eyes focused on Christ and not the person hurting you. See, yeah. that's what that for me screamed in, in her question mm-hmm. is that she is stuck looking directly across the room at that husband who's hurting her. And she's forgotten to keep her eyes focused on God. Cause when we keep it, there's a great book by Max Lucado, um, facing your giants. Mm-hmm. So this would be a great book for her to read because he really helps you learn what it means to keep your eyes focused on Christ yeah, and not the giant because, and I think he has a statement in there, focus on your giants and you tumble or you stumble, focus on God and your giants tumble. Mm. And that's the truth is that he's going to be much less of a giant if I'm re- depending and relying on Christ. Yeah. But if my focus is outward and not upward, that's where the hurt really increases. They need to gain perspective. So sometimes with people, I you know, they think it's emotional abuse and it's not. Mm-hmm. And so they need to understand the difference. But also, is it as bad as I have built it up to be? Yeah. Again, if I'm defining everything through that negative interaction, I, you know, I need to be careful. Mm-hmm. So I do need to have that kind of honest soul searching hey, is this really all that I have built it up to be? And it might be. Yeah. So I'm not doubting it. Yeah, and it's also I was thinking, you know, it could it could possibly be the other way um, where uh, you might have been living with this for so long that you don't see that it's actually as damaging as it is. Yeah, that's true. And so getting a third party involved, be like, yeah, this is, this is somewhere that we need to help you, you know, escape from. And, um, and which I have over the years, many times had to help someone. Typically, it's been wise, um, recognize that this is bad. Yeah, this it's is not okay. Not it's acceptable. Not how relationship should be. Yeah, yeah. you need help because they may have. And many times they grew up in a in an emotionally abusive environment, mm-hmm. so they just kind of figured, well, this is everybody, right? But that's that, that's not everybody. You can, you know, Christ. One of his commands are to pray a blessing for our enemies, right? Pray for them mm-hmm. and for those who persecute you. That's another thing that just, again, it helps your heart. Doesn't yeah. mean every single day, and it doesn't mean pray for wealth or pray. Really, many times what I help clients understand is pray that they find Christ. That's yeah. a blessing. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't have to focus on it in every single prayer, but when right. it, maybe when it's really negatively impacting you, that's where you go. That's one of those strategies I think Christ gives us in order to overcome someone who's hurting us daily. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, it just helps 
uh, shift that focus as well on um, what what's possible for Christ and um, not necessarily, uh, you know, for us what we can do. Um, but also something is like, you know, we keep forgiving uh, because, that again, that's for us. So that's going to help us heal, us battle that bitterness that can set in, um, which, again, we've talked about that before, and just the roots that bitterness can just choke the life out of you when it grows. And, um, you know, just learning how to forgive in the moment and forgive continually. Yeah, it never ends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. If someone is involved with your like, so let's even take this later. Let's say they end up divorced because the husband never does get figured out and he really is emotionally abusive. Yeah. Does she think that's going to stop if they have children together? He's right. going to, it might be a tinge less frequent, mm-hmm. but if she thinks that's going to ever get better, it's not, it doesn't unless he gets better. And so I guess where I come back with people is what other option do you have? Mm-hmm. Are you really going to choose unforgiveness? Yeah. And bitterness, uh, that seems like a dangerous choice. Man, I've I've witnessed um, people that have lived in that unforgiveness um, after separations, and it's it's amazing how it Im- starts to impact everything in their life because it, it impacts your overall personality. It impacts start how you view everything, and it just kind of seeps into all aspects. And it, man, I hurt so much this one woman in particular for her because I'm like you just have this horrible view of everything in the world and it started with unforgiveness um with her ex-husband and it just grew from there and you just have to remember unforgiveness only hurts you Mm -hmm. that's what's really sad is it doesn't do anything to the person that was wounding you right it does nothing they could care less it could be totally unaware Mm -hmm. and so forgiveness is for you which is why you're always going to do it because why wouldn't you? Yeah. It's destructive when you don't. So I hope we've been able to clarify this and clean it up a little bit. I feel bad because I know the listener who submitted that question is hurting. Yeah. And I don't know to what degree that she's been hurt over the years, but please understand there always there's always hope mm-hmm. because we believe in a savior that is the bomb. I mean, he he does it. You create the. I loved how you said that. He literally called the universe into existence. I don't think this is going to be too overwhelming. Yeah, and we just need to connect with him. Yeah, and 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 please, you know, seek out um, the help from someone. Get a, a third party involved that specializes in this, um, so they can speak truth and in, in life, and so you can you know continue the journey of uh, being healthier. So if you want, by the way, if you do need some help in your most important relationships, you can begin turning those things around starting today. Check out our online courses at smalleyinstitute.com, where we have hours of video from our very best series, all converted to an amazing online course platform. So check them out. If you enjoy this show, or even if you don't, let us know by leaving a review on iTunes. And we've started featuring some of you, those of you listening, especially for the ones still listening right now at the end yeah. of the show. <laughs> right. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You so made you, it through. you get the gift of the announcement that, hey, on the show notes page at smalleyinstitute.com, you can submit your story and get a chance to be interviewed 
on the show with Seth and I. So that link is available right here in the show notes. Well, Smalley Marriage Radio is brought to you by the Smalley Institute. If your marriage is on life support, reignite your relationship in only two days. Find out more online at smalleyinstitute.com or call us toll-free at 888-565-6462. Choosing an energy company raises many questions. Who can make my electricity and natural gas work smarter? Where can I find a company that's easy to do business with, who knows the market best, and has options to fit my needs? For millions of homes and businesses, there is one answer, Constellation. Decades of market intelligence and proven solutions from a trusted energy leader. Energy made efficient, simple, insightful, and flexible. That's what makes Constellation America's energy choice. Learn more at constellation.com slash energy. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.